Hello and welcome everyone to episode two of the Strike Brigade podcast. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class Aaron McEvers, the Equal Opportunity Advisor for Second Brigade. And today, I want to get into the topic of unit and group cohesion. What exactly is cohesion? Why does it matter? What do we get when we have it? Can there be too much of it? And how do we set the conditions to build or enhance unit cohesion? But before we get into the work of unpacking all that, I'm going to share with you a personal experience I had back in 2019 that's going to seem out of context, but it's going to have some relevance later once we get into the episode. So with that, thank you for joining us. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Early November 2019, I was returning to Fort Benning from Fort Lewis. I was flying out of SeaTac, early morning flight. I want to say it was around 06 when I took my seat. And I sat down and I pulled out my iPhone, my headphones, and I was getting ready. I was queuing up a podcast or audiobook, can't recall which. But I wasn't paying any attention to the people and my surroundings. I was just kind of zoning out, getting ready to fall asleep, hopefully sleep the, the majority of the flight. But I was snapped back to consciousness when I heard what I thought was a threat coming, originating from the man in my row to my left and directed towards a gentleman a row behind us. And I got confirmation pretty quickly that that was actually the case. I pulled out a headphone. I heard him say it again, said something to the fact that he was going to knock him out. And I thought, this is not good for a number of reasons. One, it's too early in the morning for that. Two, I just wanted to get home. I was concerned that if there was a physical altercation and delay the flight takeoff, I'd miss my connector, and then it'd delay me half a day or more. And then third, the man making the threat wasn't a small guy, and the individual he was directing it towards kind of was. I didn't feel like the fight was well-balanced. So, and it's unclear to me as to why the threat was issued, and it seemed so out of proportion for anything that could have occurred in that short of time. But nevertheless, the threat had been issued, and it began my thought process that was activated once I heard the incoming alert, and it concluded rapidly. And I arrived at a decision that, one, I was more concerned about the flight being delayed, and two, I was less concerned about harm befallen a smaller man who I didn't know, but I was concerned nonetheless. And then I determined that my criteria for getting involved was only if I felt it was certain that the larger man was going to strike the smaller man. And that was pretty much it. You know, I maintained a little bit of vigilance for a while. I was trying to be inconspicuous and pretend to listen to my podcast while I stayed alert for anything that might tell me that I had to get involved. And ultimately nothing did happen. There was no further interaction between the two of them. We took off, we landed, everything was great. And it seems like a completely out of context and rather uneventful story, but it does pertain to today's topic. And I assure you, stay with me. I'm going to connect the dots here in a little bit. But cohesion, it's one of those words that although I understand the meaning, I've never really given much thought as to what it is, why it's important, or how we develop it. You really only think about cohesion in terms of got it or need it when you're in a member of an organization. But the commanding general of 1st Armored Division in Fort Bliss, 
Major General Sean Murnami has directed us as members of Team Bliss to build cohesive teams. In order to eliminate the harmful behaviors of sexual harassment, sexual assault, extremism, discrimination, and suicide. So what is cohesion? Well, the Office of Personnel Analytics defines cohesion as an organizational protective factor that assesses whether individuals in a workplace care about each other, share the same goals, and work together effectively. Cohesive organizations are linked to improved readiness, retention, and a lower likelihood of sexual assault, sexual harassment, and suicide. A study published in 2003 by a team of researchers defined group cohesiveness as the extent to which group members like and trust one another, are committed to accomplishing a team goal, and share a feeling of group pride. Further research finds that in general, the more cohesive a group is, the greater its performance, decision quality, member satisfaction, member interaction, and employee courtesy. And I think both definitions are pretty adequate, and the organizational psychology research demonstrates a pretty clear picture as to why it's beneficial to increase unit cohesion. But I still don't feel like there's anything in those definitions that are particularly compelling enough to give me a strong sense of why. Now, it could be argued that our why is derived from the senior commander of Fort Bliss telling us to do it, and that would be absolutely accurate. However, I don't feel like it goes far enough to get a commitment out of leaders and soldiers on Team Bliss or within our organization. And in order to change behavior on the scale large enough to eliminate harmful behaviors, compliance isn't the desired outcome. Commitment is. When we talk about cohesion, both in its meaning and its definition, what outcome or outcomes does building cohesive teams enable? Do we really need cohesion to do what it is we do? Because I've heard it remarked more than once in my career, we don't have to get along or like each other, but we do have to work together. And I've heard that from peer to peer. I've heard that senior to subordinate. And if that statement's true, could you have cohesion under those circumstances? Or is cohesion even really necessary? And I would say under those circumstances, if, that, if, that, if you hear a statement like that in your organization, it's going to be very hard to have it, a strong sense of cohesion. And yeah, I'm going to argue that cohesion is absolutely necessary because if winning matters, cohesive teams win more frequently. But in terms of eliminating harmful behaviors, what outcome or outcomes does cohesion enable? What is our why? And I've spent a decent amount of time reflecting on this, and I know intuitively that a cohesive team is better than one that is not. But I wanted to understand how it solves the problem of harmful behavior. And this is what I've come up with. This is my working theory. This is my idea that, that uh, gives me my sense of purpose and my why. But I feel that, among other things, improving group cohesion, it lowers the threshold of harmful behaviors that we're willing to tolerate before we intervene on behalf of our teammates. In other words, it improves bystander behaviors. It increases the chance that we will be active bystanders as opposed to passive bystanders. It means we're more likely to speak up sooner and more frequently when we witness indicators of harmful behaviors in our organizations. Think back to the experience I was talking about on that early morning flight. My threshold for intervening on behalf of a total stranger was that I had to feel that phys a physical threat was a near certainty. But what if that had been a coworker? or somebody that I knew relatively well. 
would I have waited that long? Would I have waited until I felt like there was going to be violence? Probably not. What if it was a lifelong friend or a family member, somebody who I had a high degree of interpersonal cohesion with? I Absolutely. I would have, I would have intervened way sooner. I wouldn't have let it go as far as it would have had to have gotten before intervening. If it had been a friend or somebody I knew relatively well or a coworker, I probably would have intervened once I felt like they needed my help. Okay, If it were a close friend, a lifelong friend, a loved one, I, abso- I would have intervened from the jump. Once I, once I perceived the alert, I would have sprung into action. Okay, So inter- and it's, it's important to understand that intervening and speaking up for others or sometimes even for yourself, there is a measure, there are measures of interpersonal risk that we have to manage. Okay, We perform rapidly, we perform a cognitive calculus, a cost-to-benefit ratio that we do with almost without even realizing it. And when I, if I'm speaking for self, I'm willing to accept a greater level of risk when I intervene on behalf of those I care about as opposed to those I share no interpersonal cohesion with. So this is one of the reasons why cohesion is necessary. We need teammates that care about each other and are willing to stand up for one another in the face of these harmful behaviors, no matter the cost. Now, can there be too much cohesion or can cohesion ever be counterproductive? It seems to follow that if cohesion is a good thing, there can't be too much of it, right? Well, it turns out you actually can. You can have too much cohesion and cohesion at times can be harmful to an organization. The examples that come to my mind are the times on deployment or during training when we had specialty sections, snipers, uh, EOD, rock clearance packages assigned to us. Um, I think back to when I was in Basra in 2009, we had a team of Marines attached to our company, and they had pretty high intra-group cohesion that actually made it difficult while trying to develop intergroup cohesion. They're younger Marines where you were generally more reluctant to trust me and some of my peers And even when I needed them to execute the simplest of tasks, for instance, reorienting security at a halt while on a mission, if I wanted it done quickly, it was best to go find my counterpart, uh, my uh, staff sergeant that ran the squad, and and have him square them away. And this was particularly bothersome. But I've also served in companies where platoons, they had such a high degree of intra-group cohesion that it was obvious to outsiders that their loyalties kind of began and ended at the platoon level. And it made any efforts to collaborate and succeed as a company kind of a challenge, to put it mildly. But yeah, the organizational psychology research, there was some published in 2013 that demonstrated that employees and cohesive work groups, they sometimes can conform to a norm of lower production, even though they're capable of a higher production level. Also, when employees in a work setting become too cohesive, they often tend to lose sight of organizational goals. This high degree of cohesion can result in putting the needs of teammates before those of the organization. Also, groups that are pressured by outside forces, they tend to become highly cohesive. And while this is beneficial inside the group, it can lead members to become distrustful or suspicious of those not a part of their end group. And I don't mean to sound any alarms regarding cohesion, but just like any other characteristic or attribute, it can have a shadow side when there's too much of it. So, okay, so we've covered the what, we covered the why. We talked a little bit about potential for high cohesion groups to have some negative effects. Now we need to begin the discussion on 
how do we develop it? How do we develop group and team cohesion? As an EOA, and after about a year and a half of reviewing command climate surveys, I see in the comments section, I see that issue addressed quite frequently by soldiers and respondents. And what I see them asking for is usually the same three or four things. They're asking for organizational days, sports PT, unit cookouts, let us wear our unit t-shirts and hats as ways to increase cohesion. And while those are usually worthwhile activities, I don't think they build cohesion. I think they may reveal it and they may put it, they may put it facing outward, but I don't think it necessarily helps to build cohesion. In fact, I think what you do to build cohesion doesn't really matter unless three things are present. And I say this because I routinely built cohesive teams in an environment that didn't have any of those fun activities or those cohesion building activities. Um, and I built them in a manner of weeks consistently. Okay, But the first thing you have to have if you want cohesion is there has to be reciprocated trust. If you're a leader and you want your subordinates to trust you, I'd refer you to the Francis Frey and Morris model of trust. Okay, and I may be mispronouncing that. It's spelled could be Frey, F-R-E-I, um, but Frey Morris. Their model of trust it has three components. You have to routinely demonstrate that you're a competent leader, have empathy, and show authenticity. So basically, as a leader. You have to have sound logic and judgment, okay? You want to be seen as competent. You don't have to have all the answers, but it helps to have most of them. In terms of empathy, soldiers want to get a sense that you understand and you share what they're feeling. Even though you're not experiencing it directly yourself, you may have in the past some of the exact same situations, but they want to feel like, hey, he or she gets it. They know what I'm going through, and, and they're here to help me. So that's that's a good, simple model of, of empathy. And then authenticity, they, they've got to experience the real you. If they feel like you're faking it or you're putting on some kind of facade whenever you're around, uh, faking the funk, however you want to describe it, if they detect any of that, their trust in you is going to waver. Now, if you're a subordinate and you want to ensure that your leader trusts you or maybe you want to build trust with your, between yourselves and your peers, probably one of the best things I could advise is you have to demonstrate that you've adopted the culture of the organization you belong to. Now, I'm going to use a pretty simple definition, and I'm going to define it very loosely as culture is how we do business, basically, how we get things done along the lines of shared values, beliefs, behaviors, norms, and symbols. Okay, But if you adapt, if you adopt the culture and you're I would say earning the trust of your leaders and your peers should be relatively simple. Okay, and then I would add in transparency whenever possible, and then encourage appropriate levels of vulnerability. Vulnerability is one of those things where, yeah, too much is kind of a bad thing, but just enough helps you connect with those you serve with and is going to help enable trust at that, at that level. But put all that together, and you're going to have trust. Second thing that has to be present there has to be an element of fairness, okay? Even the slightest hint of unfairness in an organization can be detrimental to cohesion. Now, I I feel like we all know, I'll, I'll speak just for self, but I feel like the treatment's not always going to be equal in an organization. Top performers generally are going to receive better treatment 
and poorer performers will generally be treated a little a little less favorably. Okay, and I think most of us are okay with that. I know I am. Okay, however, the deviation between the two can't be extreme. I think most of us accept the result of being a better soldier over the course of your career is going to be some preferential treatment. But whenever that difference is extreme and noticeable between the upper and the lower end of the performance distribution, or if that unequal treatment is perceived to be based on categories covered by EO or SHARP policy, then there's going to be a sense of unfairness that is absolutely going to prohibit you from building a cohesive team. Okay, And then third and finally, we need to coalesce around a shared narrative and purpose. For high group cohesion to exist, there needs to be trust, fairness, and we, we need to have that narrative that our whole is greater than the sum of our parts, that we have a unifying purpose, that we share the same core values, and that would, we would care for each other in a manner that is similar to that of a family member or a lifelong friend. I would also add, you know, throw in some equally shared hardships, overcoming adversity together, and that's, gonna, that's all going to help hit, that, hit the requirements to build unit cohesion. So that environment where I said I routinely and rapidly developed unit cohesion, that would have been 181 Armor Battalion, Fort Benning, Georgia, from 2012 to 2015, where I was serving as a drill sergeant. And I took part in seven 14-week OSIT cycles before I ultimately joined the fitness training unit. But what I witnessed the first cycle was replicated pretty consistently throughout each cycle with just slight variations. But what I would see from day zero until about week three was a group of relative strangers placed in a stress-laden environment. And when, when they would be permitted, when they had the opportunity, they typically would self-select and to associate with soldiers that they shared racial or ethnic backgrounds with. Okay? Early on, I felt like this was a form of racism, and we did our best to try to prevent it. We called it clicking up. Uh, we would tell our soldiers, hey, no clicking up. And we would try and separate them and diversify the small groups as they tended to form. And I, I kind of thought it was some low-grade racism, but ultimately what I, what I realized what it was, was these soldiers were placed in a relatively psychologically uncomfortable place. They were seeking measures of comfort by preferring to associate those that they felt like they identified more with. Okay, Because at this point, trust was low. The sense of fairness haven't, hadn't developed. And there was no shared narrative yet. They were all trying to succeed as individuals within a group that they just weren't strongly identifying with. But it was around week three, sometimes sooner, sometimes later, that you would notice the seeds you know, for cohesion would begin to take root. Now, remember when I stated previously that outside pressure from different groups can bring about cohesion? Yeah, I think uh, 8 to 12 drill sergeants in red face mode that meets the criteria for an outside group applying pressure, and that was usually the start point for cohesion. Once soldiers realized that they had to work together to meet our standards, cohesion began to build. Okay, And then it would be, be enhanced once soldiers learned to start to trust one another or at least identified who could and could not be trusted. Then there had to be that element of fairness. It took a little bit, but soldiers began to realize that regardless of their ethnographic or demographic variables, they largely received the same treatment with slight deviation for the top and bottom performers. And once all that came into picture, that sense of fairness was present. And then lastly, and this really became noticeable during week three, 
and accelerated until graduation. But the soldiers in the team, they had to come together around a shared narrative and team culture. They had to feel that they were all overcoming challenges and obstacles together. They're growing stronger together. And it was probably around week three that I would begin to notice uh, what would be referred to as spontaneous pro-social, pro-social organizational citizenship behaviors, meaning soldiers would volunteer to help each other. Okay, You would see soldiers begin to sort themselves out by skill level, and those in the higher end of the skill distribution would usually assist, would volunteer and mentor those at the lower end of the skill distribution. Like, for instance, uh, soldiers that were more capable at performing with weapons, uh, marksmanship fundamentals, they would mentor those that were struggling. Those that were more physically fit would mentor and assist and try to help out the others that were that were struggling a little bit. Uh, or even on ruck marches or just moving back and forth to training, you would see soldiers begin to voluntarily distribute the load. Okay, they would they would rotate who was carrying things, you know, to make it easier on their peers when they absolutely didn't have to. And, and you didn't see any of those behaviors until that cohesion really started to build. But if you're a leader or a future leader and you want cohesion in your team, you've got to make an assessment. And if trust is lacking, do what you can to develop it. If there's a perception of unfairness, you have to correct it. And lastly, define your cultural norms and your narrative. Make sure everyone has a place in it. Make sure they see where their place is and they see themselves as belonging to your organization. And once those conditions are met, get them out, get them training, get them pursuing skill mastery. And when you can, put them in challenging positions that are within their skill set to overcome and that you will find that you have built a truly cohesive team, an ironclad team. If you've made it this far, I sincerely want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the talk and learned something useful that can benefit you either in your personal or professional life. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe. If you feel like it would be useful to your peers, please share it on social media. Again, thank you to my listeners and tune in next week for another episode of the Strike Brigade podcast.